to 1 Peter. It's uh, page 1220 in the Pew Bible. 1 Peter 5. We'll just read four verses there. I was saying to, to you and who's on the, the projection there tonight that um, ever since childhood I, I've had a mild dyslexia uh, that's pretty much under control. But some of you will have noticed that even as I'm reading the Bible sometimes that I'll, I'll get hesitant and it's because the words are all starting to go funny again. Uh, and I have to really work hard at it. Well, just, just, just think about this. I was typing this up this week and I typed up how to stop an elder. <laughs> dead in his tracks probably yeah I know uh, but the theme is actually how to spot an elder so um, let's read this four verses together to the elders among you I appeal as a fellow elder a witness of Christ's suffering and one who will also share in the glory to be revealed be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care serving as overseers not because you must but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Wow, that's an incentive, isn't it, for those who would aspire to the noble task uh, of overseeing. Um, you're going to see a lot of script in front of you tonight. I, I, you won't have time to read it all through. I'm going to go through um, the criteria for identifying prospective elders. It's really an application of what Paul was preaching on this morning. And so the criteria is not to be hasty in the laying on of hands. Um, that, that's not a charismatic uh, issue. It's simply the ordination, the setting aside of people to lead in the church. Um, and so you wouldn't appoint a non-believer. You wouldn't appoint an immature believer. And, and, and similarly, there are things that we need to be aware of in people's lives that, that we wouldn't want to, uh, to place them. Um, do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourselves pure, Paul says to Timothy. So the first thing that we want to consider in terms of, of those who would qualify as elders is character. Elders, first and foremost, they love Jesus. Uh, they delight in his grace, they manage his, their households well, and they walk in daily faith and repentance so that their lives are an example to others. And there are some potential indicators. Now, we're just going to put them up uh, in blocks here. I'm not going to concentrate too much on them, but um, I don't even know how you do this, but I think we'll make these notes, Andrew, available in the members area. Is that okay on the website? Uh, so they'll be there to download, and if you want a copy of them, um, then just write into the office or phone into the office, and we'll try to supply you with this, because you're not going to be able to, to, to pick it all up tonight. But these indicators are an aid to assessing a person's potential as an elder, and a, and a description of the kind of elders that we aspire to and are called to be. So do they show joy, um, excitement, confidence? Do they talk about Jesus a lot? Are the men who are transparent enough to confess their own sins? Would they welcome accountability in their lives? Uh, one of the good things about being part of a team in, in ministry is that I'm accountable to Paul and Paul's accountable to me. Uh, our pastor at large, Peter Granger, is, I'm one of his accountability partners in life generally. So there, we, we need people that can check us and, and give balances in our lives. 
Uh, are they respected by believers and unbelievers? Uh, does their mood affect their conduct? Do they serve their families well? Do, they, do the families flourish spiritually? Um, do the children respect them? Are these men rarely in quarrels? Uh, do they confront people when they have to with gentleness and humility? Is there anything objectionable about their character that might bring the church and then God's name into disrepute? And just flashback to a previous church that I served in, thinking about a, a treasurer who embezzled a huge sum of money, brought the church's name and the reputation of Christ into disrepute, not just in the Christian community, but it got into the tabloids. Uh, and, and a lot of work required to try to you know, gain some trust again among unbelievers in a situation like that. Um, as well as, the, the, um, as these indicators, elders will show that they have a living confidence that God is great. And because God is great, we, they, don't have to be in control. There are some, con some contrary indicators that they're overbearing, they're inflexible, unwilling to take risks, they're impatient with people, they avoid responsibility. They also know that God is glorious, and so that we don't have to fear others. Um, it's very difficult. It's a courageous thing to be a leader in the church. Um, you stick your head above the parapet, and people are going to have a pot shot at you. But God is glorious. We don't have to justify ourselves. Contrary indicator says that people will avoid confrontation. They crave approval. They behave differently around certain people. You know the sort of person I mean, that he's one thing to one man and one thing to another. He's never just the same. You never, it's not just what you get all the time. They pretend. Uh, they wear a mask. They hide their true self. Uh, people that were looking to become elders and to be elders, they know that God is good. We don't need to look elsewhere. Um, part of that came across in what the guys were sharing with us there just now a contrary indicator where they would feel that ministry is a burden ministry is a joy irrespective of how hard it gets it's not a burden, we're called to this, it's a joy they often grumble and they complain uh, they make people feel a burden or a duty and they don't stick at things they know that God is gracious they don't have to prove themselves a contrary indicator would that they risk Sorry, they take criticism and failure badly. You know, the reality is that if you've been in Christian leadership for more than half an hour and don't know what criticism is, then, then tell me where that church is, please. It's just the reality. We face criticism daily. Um, they find it hard to relax. They're proud or they envy the success of others. So that's something of their character. They make, uh, the contrary, would make, they would make people feel guilty. Second thing we want to think about in, in uh, a criteria for identifying prospective elders is that of the Bible. Elders know and can teach the Bible. Again, that came across in what the guys were sharing there with us just now, both to, to older adults and to younger adults and children. They apply its truth and address people's hearts. So a potential indicator there is that we need to know, do these, do these men that we're nominating, do they know the Bible? Uh, can they outline the broad storyline of redemption? The creation, the fall, the giving of the law, the purpose of Christ's coming, uh, the impending judgment of God for those who are lost, and the soon coming King, who now even at God's right hand intercedes for us. Can they broadly outline that and share that? Are they constantly concerned to submit to the authority of the Bible? Do the contributions to Bible studies show a good understanding of the passage? Do the contributions to Bible stories show concern to build others up? That the contributions to Bible studies allow an ability to draw out practical implications and application from that 
as a result of what we've just studied and learned, how am I going to behave differently tomorrow? How is this going to impact the rest of my life? Are they often speaking the gospel into other people's lives? Do they address the beliefs and the affections of people's hearts as well as their behavior? You know, quite often in ministry, somebody will say something to you, and, and we need to hear what's being said, but the manner in which it's addressed can come across as very harsh or complaining or bitter. Uh, I remember somebody going off at me, not in this church, but somebody else going off at me one time, and, and metaphorically he was shooting me all the time that he was speaking to me. Dude, you, 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 and he was, you know, he, he had some truth to tell me and address, but he's shooting me all. So I, I knew him well enough. I just reached gently forward and I closed my hand around that pointed finger. And he's like, What are you doing? I said, I, I'm not sure the safety catch is on that. Can we have this conversation? Just with a little bit more calm, please. We need to address how people behave as well as what they believe. Are they able to guard the flock from false teaching by their understanding of sound doctrine? Do they know the Bible? Uh, core theology is another important part of an elder's uh, life in the church. Elders take responsibility for safeguarding the church in relation to sound doctrine. Uh, we heard Phil uh, communicate that as came down from Don Carson. Uh, elders need to know what threatens the church and be able to help the church uh, avoid it or counter it in some way. A potential indicator for that was do they hold to their final authority in the sufficiency of Scripture? Do they believe in the substitutionary atonement of Christ? Do they believe in the divinity and exclusivity of Christ? Do they, believe, do they hold to believers' baptism in the context of Charlotte Chapel here as a Baptistic church? Do they hold the congregational form of church governance? Because we are a congregational church as opposed to a Presbyterian or an Episcopal church, for example. Do they wholeheartedly affirm the church's statement of faith? So important issues for the elder. Fourthly, vision and church lives. Elders are enthusiastically committed to the core values of the church as outlined in our vision statement and strive to live out that vision in community. Potential indicators there are they enthusiastic about loving God and their neighbor. Do they know who their neighbor is? And it's not just the person who lives either side of us in the street. The neighbor in, in Jesus' parable in the, the Good Samaritan is the one who needs care from us wherever that person might be. That's our neighbor. Will we be neighborly to them? Are they intent on sharing God's mission to spread the gospel? Does their life communicate their commitment in terms of their attendance at prayer meetings, church meetings, Sunday services, etc.? Are they involved in any ministries? If they weren't an elder, would they be involved in ministry? It's important to recognize those who are going to be leaders in the church that they're already involved in doing that. You don't appoint someone to the task in the hope that they'll come up to the mark then to do it. If someone steps out of the pastorate, you hope that they're going to be as pastorally concerned as if they weren't getting paid for it, if they didn't have the title. Similarly with elders. Elders ailed because that's their nature, not because it's their appointment. Those who come into contact with them benefit from their godly counsel. I uh, just heard this last week that one of our honorary elders, um, whenever someone met him, the, the, the inference, the communication was that they felt they had met with someone who was godly, gave an example of godliness to them. What a wonderful way to be thought of in the world by a non-Christian. Do they say it? Do they pray for 
the church and its members regularly? Do they set an example in the believers in speech? Life, love, faith, and purity, do they contribute to the corporate spiritual health of the body by the way that they speak with others? Remember, the Apostle Paul says that he, he strives for himself and for those that he appoints that they would use their authority to build up and to not tear down. We can very easily be those who tear down by our words, by our attitudes, rather than those who are encouragers. Are they able to explain why our core values are important? Do their contributions to discuss, discussions at church meetings reflect an understanding of these values? And by that I mean make disciples. Do we know that the church's commission is to make disciples? That it's not to run programs for believers, to keep believers happy. But that has to be balanced with winning the lost and equipping believers to go and win the lost. That has to be the core value of a church that claims to be fulfilling the Great Commission. And do they make decisions with the church family in mind? Do they practice hospitality? Could we point at them and say, I want my child to marry, assuming she's a girl, or to grow up with the boy, to be someone like that? Servanthood is the fifth thing that's a criteria for potential elders. Elders take responsibility for the life of the church at the expense of their own interests and agendas. Some potential indicators there are that they're eager to serve and do they serve without complaining. It's a real challenge. You know, as I, as I went over this this, this this week, it's a real challenge just to my own heart. To, 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 I always do this with a willing spirit, with a joy in my heart, uh, as someone who serves as a, as a an elder pastor here at Charlotte Chapel. Do this show submission to and respect for existing leaders and the church family. Uh, again, in, in former churches, I've worked really hard as a pastor to try to keep people on board um, because there's nothing worse than, than a former leader sitting sniping from the wings. Nothing worse than that. Uh, but Paul is, is, is very clear, not our pastor, the apostle, keep making the differentiation here. Um, the apostle Paul, writing to the church in, in, in Galatia, in chapter 5 and 15, he says, see to it. See to it. Be careful that, that in your biting of one another with words, that you don't end up devouring one another. Um, it, it's, it's spiritual cannibalism to sit and snipe and to gripe all the time. Spiritual cannibalism. Uh, and, and so elders wouldn't do that. They would show respect for existing leaders and the church family. Do they lead in prayer and cont contribute to discussions? Do they avoid focusing on their own issues? I, again, this is something that comes from my own experience in ministry. Someone comes to you, you know, and a significant number of people have said, uh, there's a, I, I'm representative of a huge chunk of the church that's not happy with this pastor. Can you tell me how many? No, it's confidential. Can you tell me what their names are? And I've told you it's confidential. I can't tell you who they are. And, and every time that I've boiled that down so far, the guy who's come to speak to me is complaining about something his wife said to him. It's never really representative of a... Well, okay, she's a significant number to him. I realize that. But sometimes it's like, you know, is there, what's the agenda here? Are they focusing on their own issues or on the greater issues that there's lost people who need saving? There are believers who need building up. There are, there are people who are willing to be workers if someone equip them and send them into the harvest field. Or isn't an agenda that says, my wife, my family, uh, the people who promote me to this would like me to represent them to get their will done? Um, that's not an elder. Not a biblical elder. 
Do they show concern for other people's walk with God? Are they generous with their time and their money? Are they regularly showing hospitality? And then we come to the kind of practical stuff. Um, the elder duties. Elders are called to shepherd the flock that is entrusted to their care by fulfilling the biblical job description they are given. And so again, some potential indicators there would be that they give attention to prayer and studying scripture. They lead the church, they manage the church, they care for people in the church. They give account to God for the church. They live exemplary lives. They rightly use the authority that God has given them. They teach the Bible correctly. They pray for and with the sick. Uh, They teach sound doctrine and refute false teaching. They work hard. They use money and power rightly. They protect the church from false teachers. And they discipline unrepentant Christians. Boy, that's a really hard thing to do. If, If any of us are unrepentant, we need brothers and sisters to come alongside us and say, the way you're living isn't right. It's not God-honoring. It's not helpful to the, to the unity and the harmony of this fellowship. So you mustn't speak like that. You mustn't act like that. That's, you must change your lifetime. You mustn't, you mustn't behave in such ways like that. That's a leader responsibility along with the church, ultimately. Do they develop other leaders and teachers? And so we come... By way of conclusion here, an elder who is called won't feel overwhelmed by these expectations. And I, I just, as you read through that, you're thinking, wow, nobody could do this. But an elder who is called to this won't feel overwhelmed by these expectations. And neither will he feel self-confident. Because two things, they have a living knowledge of one God's grace. Who is sufficient for these things? No one. But we have God's grace available to us which means that we can acknowledge our failures without having to prove ourselves. And we're also aware of God's power, which gives us that true confidence. I can't do this. I can do nothing apart from Christ, but I can do everything through him who strengthens me. It's the attitude that we must have in ministry. So what specifically will be reasonably expected of elders in Charlotte Chapel from November 2010 to November 2015? Well, meetings and ministry, as ever, Uh, Attendance at Sunday morning services, evening gatherings, uh, 50% of an evening service if he's got a young family, allow his wife to come out. An elder uh, should be away for no more than eight or ten Sundays a year unless connected to a ministry linked at CBC. Uh, If you want elders, if you want to know where this comes from, uh, Paul and I are completely responsible for drafting this up. Uh, We've not not talked about that so far. Uh, And others have inputted into that by way of reasonableness of what you can expect your elders to be committed to. Uh, the prayer times before our Sunday gatherings uh, at his fortnightly home group, uh, although Aless, if he's got a family, allows his wife to attend. Fortnightly corporate prayer meetings, both for the missionary prayer meeting and, and the, the church prayer meeting. Elders meeting twice a month, that's different from what we currently have, but we'd really love to see us moving towards a place where we're doing um, any business type thing, any ministry focused stuff on one evening. And then on another evening, we're going to meet, say, after work, if, if that works for the people who are on the team, uh, just to think about the, 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 the spiritual leadership of the church and to, to, to help each other grow in our faith. Now, I, I know that's a huge commitment for some to think about making. Um, fellowship group training events, to participate in Church of Vision Days. And then for ministry, to be an overseer of the flock at Charlotte Baptist Chapel means to provide spiritual leadership and direction for the congregation. It's not to ask the congregation which direction they think we should be going in and then just walk so many paces slowly ahead of them, but to really think, what's God saying to us as a church? 
and to seek that, bring that into focus by way of vision for the church. To be specifically watching over a group of members of around 30 active members, uh, hopefully most of whom would be committed to fellowship group, although some might not, uh, and a wider ministry group within that. Be part of a mentoring group for staff teams. Um, each of the staff members uh, currently at Charlotte Chapel and, and as we bring new staff on in the following year, hopefully, uh, all of us have um, two or three elders assigned to us by way of our personal accountability group and our mentoring group. And so that's one of the responsibilities that, that elders have. And to participate in leading membership courses, follow-up interviews for candidates for baptism and membership, and to participate in leading public worship as is necessary. So something of the practical application that flows out from this morning teaching that Paul gave, and I'm going to invite Paul to come up now, and we're going to have an open time of question and answer. If people have any questions they want to put to either Paul, myself, or the elders, um, it's not a church meeting. This is not a members gathering. Uh, please remember there are uh, non-members present with us, so there are certain things obviously we couldn't discuss. Uh, there are likely to be some non-believers present with us. So within the context of that, if people have questions relating to anything you've heard uh, from the pulpit today, uh, then we'd welcome these questions. Are there any questions? Absolutely none. That's fantastic. Wow, we've answered all the questions, Paul. That's the first. I don't see anyone up in the balcony there, so I don't know. But, uh, any questions? Yeah, Ian. Have you got an ideal number of elders in mind? Or a rough number where you think that would be good for a church of this size to have? Obviously, we're looking for those who qualify for the role, and um, I'll take as many as we've got. Um, you know, we have about 580 members uh, right now, and so, yeah, if we had about 20 men, then each person would keep, be able to keep watch over 30 people, which is probably more achievable than 12 people watching over 50 people. But uh, the important thing is that we have qualified people doing the task, really, and so we'll work with whatever we've got. Yeah, any other questions? There's a microphone upstairs as well. Mm-hmm. All right, there, there aren't any? That's fine. Yes, oh, there's, oh, they are sneaking. Yes, Ian. Pastor, is there any way that we can, I mean, look at CVs or people that are really interested in being elders or in the church? Do we have people who want to do the job? No. Can you look at CVs? Do you want me to answer that? Um, okay. Uh, at the next round, Ian, after we've got the nomination process um, in and we look to see who's there, then, then those qualifying from that nomination process. Um, the idea is that we will have a, a, a brief bio and a picture of everyone from that stage so that that goes out in the next stage of, of the, the actual election process. So that, that it, there won't be a full CV as such, but there will be something of their life and ministry reflected in that little biography to go out with their, their picture on the, on the next amount of information we send out. Well, we'll maybe move to a time of prayer if there are no more questions. Mm. I, I just want to say that um, the danger of this evening is information overload. Uh, we're looking for men who are living the Christian life, who are able to teach, who have the time. Uh, we're looking for 
you know, that's what we're looking for. And uh, I, I think I started getting heartburn even as I was reading that list. <laughs> and I was thinking, oh, goodness, maybe I should resign. And uh, so, you know, it, it is in the context that the, those lists are trying to give you some indicators to try and think about the sort of uh, the categories that we're talking about. Uh, we're all people who are repentant sinners seeking to follow Christ and we fail in many ways but we do look to God's grace and uh, so uh, I, I believe that uh, the Lord has raised up such men in our congregation and really uh, our job is not to sort of create them out of thin air they're here mm. it's just to recognize them and in a sense this is a process that enables the congregation to publicly recognize these men for the uh, next period of um, of leadership over the next five years and so just thank you for your part in that pray it through um, and get your forms in how are we doing prayers then? yeah um, we're going to have a short time of prayer maybe 10 minutes or so and what I'd like you to do is there are roving mics and we've done church at prayer before in a, in a very organized way uh, we're going to have open mic tonight and what I'd like you to do if you're, if you're willing to pray um, about the process of nominating and appointing elders some of the things that we've heard about tonight then I'd just like you to raise your hand and keep your hand raised during the prayer time and um, we might not get everybody fitted in uh, depending on how many people volunteer for this but there is a mic upstairs, mic downstairs and the mic will be brought to you and you can lead us in, in corporate prayer and assuming that you're praying in the will of God we'll say amen to it and, uh, and I'll conclude then in about 10 minutes so if you would like to lead us, any people would like to lead us in prayer for this just let's close our eyes, raise your hand and the mic will come to you Our gracious Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you have arranged your church and that every person here is given to us, to each other, by your sovereign hands. And Lord Jesus, we praise you that you have gifted your church with elders to equip us as saints for um, works of service. And our gracious Father, we pray that in this church you would raise up these men who desire this noble task. Please. Would they set their hearts on these things? May they cultivate this godly character. And we do pray for our elders that you would protect them from the devil's attacks, as we heard this morning. And that, Father, these would be church who, in your wisdom, by your grace, in the power of your Holy Spirit, would lead this church to be glorifying to your name, to be proclaiming the Lord Jesus to the nations. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Amen. Amen.